3, verses 1 to 22. It's up there on the screens. Come and grab a Bible off the table at the front if you want. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. But God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, Assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will, will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. 
Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Amen. The context, if you like, the origin of our faith journey as Christians is in the story of bonded labor. God's people, His chosen people, were in a position and a place of bonded labor, quite literally brick-making. They were making bricks in Egypt because they were oppressed by the Egyptians who were afraid of their numbers and their strength and their potential. God created, formed, grew the nation of Israel in Egypt in the context of bonded labor. They went there as a family. The family of Jacob and his 12 sons when Joseph went there. And it was a time of favor when they went there and they went as a large extended family. But fast forward 500 years and the family has become a nation. And so there is no sense of the nation of Israel until Egypt, which is where it starts. And so if you like the people of God, through whom God promised that He would bring salvation, and who would be the, uh, the ones who would be the, the, the custodians, if you like, of a relationship with God for all the nations of the earth. Those people were bonded laborers in slavery in Egypt, and their cry came up to God. And I suppose it's a picture of maybe where you were once in your life. Because I know that there have been times, certainly lots of times in my life, but I can think of times in my life where I was in situations that I could do nothing about, that I was in bondage, if you like, and I cried out to God. I want to uh, just take a few minutes then, and I'm sorry I'm kind of weaving threads and themes here, but I hope it all comes together for you. Um, I want to show a few slides, God's part and heart in all of this. And so let me just remind you of that process I've just outlined, but show you where it is in the Bible. Show you where that process that IGM follows is the process that God has followed and undertaken for you. And that is the very process of the gospel and of your salvation because it began with the cry of the people. And I've talked about that earlier on. In Exodus 2, when the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out because of their slavery. And God heard their groaning. You know, God hears the cry and the groan of the person who is enslaved, whether literally enslaved or enslaved by their own sin enslaved by their despair or their hopelessness, enslaved by habits or patterns, enslaved by words or expectations of other people. There's a thousand ways in which people are enslaved, and God hears our cry. And then begins that process of investigation and information, which requires patience and trust and relationship. 
And God summoned Moses and met him in the burning bush as we read, and told Moses that he had heard the cry and that he was sending him to, to, to Pharaoh to set the people free. And you know, when you became a Christian, or when someone becomes a Christian, it's generally because there's a process of trust or relationship that's been built. I know that Jesus can make a difference to your life. I know that Jesus can set you free. Yeah, 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 Jesus, yeah. I've had people tell me fine things before, and look where it got me. And for a while in Egypt, as Moses with Aaron began to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, Pharaoh's first response was to make their work harder. And Moses had to work hard at building and keeping the trust, saying, God is in this. God has heard your cry. God is coming to your rescue. You know, sometimes it may get more difficult before it gets easier. And sometimes in life, even though God has heard our cry and help and rescue may be on its way, sometimes we need to be patient because it may not come just like that. It didn't come just like that for the Egyptians. Those bonded laborers that I mentioned in that woodcutting facility had every day, and I met some of the guys who were saying, it's really difficult, but we've got to go along every day and say, look, just keep calm, keep the lid on it, don't betray, uh, don't give anything away, don't let, don't try to make sure that, that you just continue as usual, because if you blow this, then the whole thing is lost. Don't imagine that God has not heard your cry. Don't imagine that just because the answer hasn't come when you need or want it to, that God does not know what you need. And so God was, if you like, having investigated, sending Moses. And God has sent somebody, and maybe you now are the person God is sending, to be the person to tell you the good news met a, uh, just a delightful guy who's not an investigator now, but just the loveliest guy. And he's somebody who would just go and try and meet people in the marketplace and tell them good news. You know, we always look for the catch when someone tries to tell us good news, right? You most of you are too young to remember this, but the Reader's Digest used to send out uh, letters every now and then saying, congratulations, you have won 27,946 pounds and you just always knew there was a catch, and there always was a catch. There's always a catch, isn't there? And yet the gospel is an invitation to believe good news, that God has done something for us to set us free when we were hopelessly captive. And during that long season of preparation, things did get worse because there followed ten plagues in Egypt and of course, with every plague, the treatment of the Israelites just got that little bit worse. There was a period where it didn't get better. It seemed to get worse. And then came the day of freedom. And in the story of Exodus, we, the Jewish people celebrate that to this day in Passover. We pick it up in Easter. And on the day of freedom and rescue... The people of Israel walked free from Egypt. 
there came a day, and even the women in the households gave them silver and gold and set them free. And the people walked to their freedom. And as Jesus hung upon a cross on Good Friday, he declared all who would believe in the power of his cross free. He has purchased our freedom. The law of the gospel of grace has triumphed over the law of sin and death. IJM operates by applying the law. Jesus applies the law of the gospel of grace. God to this day applies the law where mercy triumphs over judgment, where people are set free because of the grace of God. The people are given documentation, certification to go, told that they are now not what they were before. And the people of Egypt were given a word from Pharaoh, take your people and go. And you and I, when we come into the family of God's people, are declared that we are sons and daughters of the living God, no longer orphans, no longer people without family or connection, no longer uh, on our own wandering through life with nobody to care or take an interest, but that we have a Father in heaven, and He declares over everyone who receives Jesus, His Son, in faith and allows themselves to be set free by the gospel of grace, you have a new identity. Do you live in that new identity? Do you live in that new identity? Because God wants to set you free. And so the people of Israel began a journey. For two years, these bonded laborers are nurtured and supported, helped to come over, get over their trauma. And the people of Israel wandered for two years and were fed and looked after by God, and they had their doubts, and it wasn't an easy journey. And you and I, after we've received Jesus, begin a life journey until Jesus come and take us home of working out what it means to be set free, working out what it means to live out the good news of Jesus Christ in and through our lives. IGM is doing amazing stuff. But they're only doing it because they're acting out the heart of the God who rescued his people from slavery in Egypt and because they're inspired and moved by a gospel of grace where Jesus paid the price to set free every captive, every slave who would believe the word that it's possible to be free, who would patiently believe and await their rescue and allow Jesus to set them free. Believe, receive, and begin to walk out that journey of a new life. You know, we had one of the most embarrassing moments where as a group we walked into a room with about 40 freed bonded laborers, all of whom were there because they're learning to be community leaders. And it's one of those situations where you walk into a room and they're just all of these lovely people with smiles from ear to ear and they're applauding us. (laughs) 
They're applauding us because we are the honorable visitors from another part of the world. And you, say, you just want to say, no, please don't do that. And then they began to tell their stories of petty debts and sums of money borrowed and what it cost them. What it cost them in calloused hands and broken backs. What it cost them in skin and afflictions. What it cost them in no wages what it cost them in their self-esteem and their relationships and their ability to trust, what it cost them. And yet God in his grace has sent people through IJM who themselves have experienced freedom and release of a different kind, admittedly, but to set God's people free. Now, IJM is not evangelistic. They can't, they want to, but they can't because it would compromise their work because they're working with governments, often non-Christian governments. But there's a witness, a quiet witness, that goes on there. And God is doing amazing stuff in and through them. And if you want to know more or get involved, well, you you can Google them. Tomorrow evening, actually, in Queen's Park Baptist, IGM is hosting an event because they're just about to set up a field office in Romania. It's the first field office. They've got partner offices, but they have We're setting up a field office, particularly because a lot of people in Europe are trafficked from Romania. And therefore, uh, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more, and particularly about the trafficking links between Romania and Glasgow, then Queen's Park Baptist tomorrow evening at half past seven is where you should be. But I've said enough, and you've listened well, and I'm grateful to you. But I hope that you can recognize that these are not the stories of other people. Yes, in a sense, there's a, there's a brutal physical reality to the labor that they've known and the hard service that they've paid and the sweetness and the joy that they're experiencing in being free. And we can look at it from a spiritual perspective and see that God has set and is setting us free. And we pray and long that they will find that same spiritual freedom. Because at the end of the day, to be freed from slavery and yet still to be slaves to foreign gods is no answer. But if you're able and would like to support the work of IJM, well, there's, uh, we had a little incident a few weeks ago, by the way, where our uh, offering box got grabbed and smashed. <laughs> so it's a way being fixed. So for our ordinary offerings, I think, does that say St. George's Tron? Our ordinary offerings are going in a basket down this side this week, as well as the Izettle. But there's a basket on this side uh, for International Justice Mission. And I will cheerfully convey anything that you're able or moved to give But you can become a freedom partner. You can go online and sponsor them and commit to giving regularly, which in some ways is the more effective, sustained way of giving. Or you can get prayer news and just join in the excitement of being partners with seeing people set free in prayer. But God in his mercy doesn't just hear the cry of people in far off places, but hears the cry and pursues the accuser and prosecutes and goes to court, if you like, because the blood of Jesus speaks our pardon from everything that stood against us. They overcame him, the accusations of the enemy, by the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony. And God continues to call and to send. Those local leaders are going into their communities to warn other people, You and I, if we already know Jesus, are sent out to be bearers of good news, to whisper to people who are stuck somewhere 
that there is one who can set them free. Let's pray together.